0: Welcome to the 10th Muse podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Helena, and I'm Siobhan, and we're here to tell you all about the women through history that we think deserve the coveted title of the 10th Muse.
1: So hold on, what does the 10th Muse actually mean?
0: Well, in Greek mythology, there were nine muses who were goddesses of poetic inspiration, who influenced the greatest creators and philosophers through history. The famous philosopher Plato once called the female poet Sappho the Tenth Muse because
1: he believed her talents were so great that she was worthy of that title. That's right, so we're here to talk about a unique collection of women through history that have done amazing things. From activists to artists, scientists to singers, these women are not the women you already know.
0: No, instead these are the women who we think should join Sappho's ranks and deserve the status of the Tenth Muse. We hope you
1: enjoy hearing about these women as much as we do.
0: Welcome to episode two of the 10th Muse. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that's what it is? Yeah. She wasn't sure a second ago, everyone. 10th Muse podcast, episode two. I forgot what her own podcast was called. I'm Helena. I'm Siobhan. Welcome to episode two. We're going to get right started. Siobhan's going to start this week. So tell me, who is Ooh. your 10th
1: Muse? I've got big shoes to fill now following you from last week. Yeah, you do. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting... um scientific this week which okay. is very out of my comfort zone i'm not a very scientifically minded person Interested. at all so neither am i well great i'll just i'll just speak as if i know what i'm talking about and then yeah. that'll be great i but, won't know any difference so. um <laughs> never good at my GCSE science but here we go do you know anything about cells and like scientific the issues?
0: mitochondria is the powerhouse of the
1: cell <laughs> um i know a little bit vaguely right okay well, I'm going to tell you about HeLa, which is it's an immortal cell line used in scientific research, and it's the oldest and most commonly used human cell line. And Helena's face is completely blank. Interesting. Okay. Um. What's so going? I'm going to tell you first about basically what an immortal cell line is so you kind of get the concept. Yeah, I didn't know what that was at Um, all. Immortal cell lines are a very important tool for research into biochemistry and cell biology of multicellular organisms. Now, basically, it's like cells which can be grown indefinitely, whereas normal cells um, have a limited lifetime. They won't live outside the body for very long. Mm -hmm. Scientists sort of in the 1940s and 50s, they wanted to work out how the hell you do scientific research with cells outside the body. Sorry, I'm going to (laughs) laugh. Why are you laughing? Go on. She's on a gym high. I am on a gym high. Listeners, I went to the gym. (laughs) I'm leaving that in. Oh. Um, So HeLa specifically is derived from cervical cancer cells taken on the 8th of February, 1951. And it's sort of a remarkably durable immortal cell line. And they were the first human cells successfully cloned. And since then, they've been used by scientists in different types of investigations. So like disease research, gene mapping, effects of toxic substances and radiation on humans. They've grown, they've been able to sort of clone these cells. So scientists have um, grown an estimated 50 million metric tons of HeLa cells and there are almost 11,000 patents involving these cells. Wow. So yeah, you might be wondering why I'm telling you about cell research and scientific biochemistry and things that we have no idea about with our background academically. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you about the woman that these cells came from. Okay. That have had this massive impact. So the woman in question was born Loretta Pleasant on the 1st of August 1920 in Roanoke, Virginia. And her parents were Eliza and Johnny Pleasant. But people who've heard of these cells will more likely know the name Henrietta Lacks, which is where Sheila comes from. Ah. It's from her first name and her surname. And it's not entirely sure when her name changed from Loretta to Henrietta. I think her nickname when she was a kid was Henny. So they think it sort of came from that. But oh, okay. not really clear on when it changed. Uh, so when she was four years old, her mother died during childbirth with her tenth child. So she's from a ten. She had Her mom had ten kids. Wow. It's like cheaper and by the dozen, but like they're missing <laughs> two. <laughs> two. Without two. <laughs> oh. So after this happened, Lax's father moves the family to Clover, Virginia because he basically is like, I can't handle 10 kids when my wife's passed away. It's just not, not happening. So the kids then are sort of distributed amongst relatives and um, Henrietta ends up with her grandfather, Tommy, in a two-story log cabin that was once the slave quarters on the plantation that had been owned by Henrietta's white great-grandfather. Wow. So you're in we're in like deep south of America right now. Not long after sort of slavery has ended, really, in terms of if you think about it as generational. Mm. Uh and this is where she meets her future husband, who is also her first cousin. Right. Right. Okay. Um so this is David and he's known as he's known as Day. So it's David Day Lax. And so she shares a room with him in this house, and then they obviously end up getting together, basically.
0: Hmm.
1: Not gonna comment on that. Doesn't seem Right. Is it a happy marriage? Yeah, so they have, actually, they end up having five children, I believe. In 1935, when she's 14 years old, her and Day have their first child when she's 14. So her first kid's called Lawrence, and their second child, Elsie, was born in 1939. She had developmental difficulties. Okay. So she's described as being deaf and dumb. Not too much really known about um, Elsie. But she ends up, um, tragically, she passes away when she's 15 in an sort of an insane hospital. I'm telling you, it's not a very happy story, this one. Yeah. So Henrietta and Day get married on the 10th of April, 1941, and her whole life from essentially when she moved in with her grandfather, she'd worked on a tobacco farm. But then in 1941, not long after they get married, they are sort of convinced to move to Maryland so that Day can work in a steel plant. And when they're in Maryland, they have three more kids, so they next three children are called Sonny, Deborah and Joseph. So mm-hmm. they're happily married. They have five kids, It's all seemingly going well. Um, Henrietta gave birth to her last child at John Hopkins uh, Hospital in Baltimore in November, 1950. This is the only hospital in the area that would treat black patients. So again, giving you that sort of setting of where, they're, that, where they are. And around this time, that was when Elsie, their second child sort of passed away. and She was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Then it gets sad now for Henrietta, even more so than I guess how hard her life's been up to that point. On the 29th ninth of January nineteen fifty one, Lax goes back to John Hopkins where she'd had a baby four months earlier because she felt what she described as a knot in her womb. She'd had it months before, but her family had assumed she was pregnant, which she like then actually turned out to be she was. Right. So she, but she gives birth to that baby, and then she's like, "Well, it's still there." So she goes back to hospital, and that's when she's diagnosed with cervical cancer, and she's treated with radium tube inserts. I don't even know what that really is. This is, shows my lack of scientific wow. knowledge. What like?
0: I can't even think. Is it like they put in like an? A radioactive IUD IU, or something?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is That's the only thing, thing I like can think it would be. rudimentary radiation therapy, really. Yeah. But I'm not too sure. This, is, I mean, we're, we're talking 1951, yeah. early 1951. I'm not too sure how advanced that would be. During her treatment, though, two samples were taken from Lax's cervix without her permission or knowledge or the knowledge of her family. Oh, my God. So this is where we get into sort of consent and her cells made these this massive impact on world science, but... How much is that down to her free will and what yeah. she wanted you know of these two samples that were taken one was healthy and one was cancerous and these samples were given to george otto gay who developed their scientific capabilities and the cancerous sample is actually the one that eventually became the hella immortal like cell line that i wow. mentioned earlier on the 8th of august 1951 Henrietta was admitted to hospital for treatment and blood transfusions and remained there till she passed away on the 4th of October 1951. So she passed away at the age of 31. So young. No age. She had five kids. So her children sort of had the same experience she did, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah. She passes away and her autopsy showed that her cancer had spread throughout her whole body. She didn't really have a chance, really. I don't know if they'd have caught it earlier, if that would have made a difference, but I think you know, the treatment for cancer is not like it is now. Well, yeah, back then it was a death sentence. Exactly. Even up till, like, recently. Exactly, and a lot of the reason why it's moved on so much now is because of her cells, as I'll get into. She kind of couldn't even be saved by her own cells, which were the reason that people were saved. She was buried in an unmarked family grave in Laxtown, Virginia, I found this really interesting. So basically, Laxtown was the name given to sort of a section in Clover, Virginia, mm-hmm. which if you recall, that's where she moved to when she her mum passed away. It was originally, this section was originally owned by slave-owning members of Lax's family mm. in the antebellum yeah. South, so. I was about to ask that. Yeah, so like, it's kind of that, like, they own that amount of land, so it's sort of named after them. So she's buried in like the family gravesite there. In 2010, a headstone was donated to the Lax family by Roland Patillo faculty member of the Morehouse School of Medicine, and the family then raised money for a second headstone for Elsie Lacks too, so they could be dedicated on the same day. Aww. So now th- she is in a marked grave, or at least where they sort of think she's buried. The epitaph written by her grandchildren the, on that stone reads as follows, Henrietta Lacks, August 1st, 1920 to October 4th, 1951, in loving memory of a phenomenal woman Wife and mother who touched the lives of so many. Here lies Henrietta Lacks, healer. Her immortal cells will continue to help mankind forever. Eternal love and admiration from your family. Wow. She's finally kind of been recognised. Yeah. I want to tell you a little bit more about the cells Mm -hmm. and why they're so vital in in the history of medicine, really. They've been used in the treatment of pretty much anything you could name. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned at the beginning, it's been used for over 11,000 patents and different treatments and wow. different things. It's also, <laughs> they've been described as so strong and immortal and they can move that they're actually, they've caused problems for other people's like scientific experiments because they've contaminated other cell samples because they're that strong and they'll just spread. <laughs> And so, I think I read an article earlier that they would like, they worked out they could attach to dust particles and move into other cells and, and all this. What? She's got these crazy cells. She's like superhuman cells. Yeah, she's like a, a superhero. Wow. They've been, firstly, her cells were used to test the polio vaccine in the 1950s. So, the first ever polio vaccine is like down to her cells, basically. Wow. And they. Led to the first clone of a human cell that was successful because they realised that these were so powerful that they could be used in this way. So they had to find a way to sort of mass produce them. Her cells were the first ones to be cloned, and they also helped in the discovery that humans have 46 chromosomes. Oh really? So oh, all cool. these massive scientific yeah. breakthroughs that you actually we will, will like have massive heard of, that even though we have no scientific knowledge, that even we will, even have heard we of. know these things. They're all down to her cells. They've been used continually for research into various cancers, AIDS research. They were used to develop IVF. Every sort of major breakthrough wow, is linked in some way to Henrietta Lacks' cells. This was one of my fun facts that I loved about this story is they've even been launched into space. Have they? they went on the the first manned flight into space. Wow! And they found out that they divide even quicker in zero gravity. Oh my god! So I think this woman literally had super superhuman cells. What the hell? That's quite impressive. It's it's mad. So another thing about this is, like I say, she never gave permission for these cells to be taken. Yeah. And. Her family didn't even know that her cells were being used for all these massive breakthroughs. They found out getting called up for blood samples and trying to try and get more cells from family members, and they were kind of like, "What is even happening?" So a woman's writing a book that ends up being called "The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks." Um, she's by the name of Rebecca Sklut. and so she—it's just a, a relative surname. Augusta Sklute. You've gone with Gloop? the rhyming there. Um, no, but she, yeah, she rings up and she's like, I'm writing this book about your mother and they're sort of amazed that anyone really wants to give her credit because her name was technically sort of on these cells as hila but they've cut the entirety of the name out. Mm. Um, I read somewhere that the, when the original cells were given to the, that doctor um, Gay, he sort of kept her name a secret till after he died. She was never given her due in how instrumental she's been to all of this different stuff. I mean, if you want to see more about her, hear more about this story... There's actually a film came out in 2017 by HBO Called the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, based on the, that story. Of I think that's where I re- recognise the name. Yeah, from, which so it's very shameful that I know it from a movie and not from. But I think that's important. I think if you look at all the press around that, I mean, it, it, this film's massive in terms of the cast. It stars Oprah Winfrey, plays Henrietta's daughter. Mm. It's got Sylvia Grace Cream, Rocky Carroll, and my favourite in this lineup is Tony Award-winning Renee Elise Goldsberry from Hamilton. Really? Oh, Yeah, so she plays Henrietta Lacks in this film, and the movie's just based on that book and her life and the fact that this woman didn't have, you know, any credit given to her. And when you watch press on it, Oprah Winfrey talks about how, you know, this is kind of like the the film Hidden Figures that came out not long ago as well. This is a woman who, she's an African-American woman who has contributed essentially her entire life, without even really knowing it, to transforming all of our lives and all the treatment that we would maybe need to have or our family have had or everything. I mean, her cells have been used to develop HPV vaccine that wow. we all had. Yeah, when we were younger. It's, you know, it's absolutely monumental what this woman's cells contributed to and has actually saved numerous, like, I couldn't, you probably couldn't put a number on the amount of treatments that have helped people. Have you, talk about it in terms of the cancer treatments and the AIDS treatments, it's astonishing, really. Mm, And so, yeah, I would recommend that film and the book as well, I guess, really. And I think this was kind of a whistle-stop tour of her life, but I think her name needs to be known. I think that it's something that she's helped so many lives, like I say, and you just never, ever heard of her. Her name was never given to the story or the scientific research. It's always down to the doctor's. I mean rightfully so as well the doctors who've developed things from her cells but you know she's the base material there that they've worked with so yeah that's Henrietta Lacks and she she tragically passed away at 31 years of age but her legacy kind of lives on till today
0: what's immortal
1: <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> exactly keeps regenerating she's got her superhero cells exactly wow yeah, so she's my she's my tenth muse this week really i think she's one of these those people like i say who you just you've never heard of, but has had yeah. this huge, huge impact. But yeah. She's my she's my tenth muse this week. Great. Okay, so Helena, it's your turn now. Who is your tenth muse this week? So my tenth muse,
0: I've got two. There's um uh, two sisters, I know. But okay. they're a duo, so it's it it works. So it's two sisters called Freddie and Truss Overstegen. Uh, They were born in 1925, Freddie was born in 1925, Trouche was born in 1923 in Harlem in the Netherlands. Their mother was, she was a single working class mum who considered herself a communist. She strongly believed in fighting injustice. So in 1939, in the build-up to the Second World War, she began taking refugees into her home, which was obviously very drastic. Posthumously, the chair of the National Hanny Shaft Foundation. So Hanny Shaft was another woman that they worked mm-hmm. with. The chair of the National Hanny Shaft Foundation said that this helped the girls to learn that if you're going to help someone, you have to make sacrifices yourself. In the lead up to the Second World War, so the the Nazi occupation began in 1940.
1: You know, I I really think I nearly did these Do two girls this week. Oh man, I think so. no. I, okay, well they're great. It's, it's so ringing a bell a little bit, so yeah, keep
0: going. When I when I drop the bomb, you'll probably know. Yeah,
1: I feel like imagine if we'd come prepared with the same one. That I was <laughs> worried about that. I was. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Okay. Okay. Go. On.
0: Um. So the Nazis occupied the Netherlands uh, from 1940. And then the girls, along with their mum, they began distributing anti-Nazi newspapers and pamphlets. And on posters from the Nazis that called men to go and work in Germany, they would, like, glue warnings over them Mm -hmm. to kind of stop the men going. Because obviously they'd just go work in labor camps. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't, like, it wasn't good. Which is obviously very, very dangerous. So they do that and, like, cycle away really, really quickly. Um, Cycle away really quickly. Go, 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 go. Everything is on by bike. Um, everything is my bike.
1: It'd be more effective, I know I shouldn't be making light of the situation, if they had those little like, beads in the spokes of the bike. So as they go away, it makes noise. Do you ever have them? The what? <laughs> right, on my bike when I was a kid. Beads? Yeah, like little beads on the spokes of the bike. Well, I mean, they wanted to stay hidden. No, I know that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> wouldn't it not be funnier if
0: they, <laughs> they were like, go, 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 go. I have go. never heard of that at all. You've never? Okay. No. Alright. I'm just thinking of like a clown bike <laughs> that has like random... Noises and bells.
1: Okay.
0: Where did I get up to? They were cycling away. Oh, yeah. So after they would glue these warnings on the posts, they'd cycle away, because um, obviously it's the Netherlands. How else are they going to get away? Mm-hmm. And they were actually approached to join the Harlem resistance group in 1941, which they did. And they were told they would have to sabotage bridges and railway lines, as well as learn to shoot Nazis. I definitely nearly did this one. Oh, man. Okay, well, <laughs> pretend you don't know. <laughs> So one of their advantages was because they were young girls and they used that to their advantage to remain largely unseen because the Germans didn't pay them any attention so they could just like cycle past and shoot someone in the street and then cycle away and no one would care. (laughs) So they began as couriers, uh, moving weapons, stealing identity papers to help Jewish people escape Holland. Mm -hmm. And then one of their first big assignments, they burned down a Nazi warehouse by flirting with the guards as, as a distraction. I love it. I know this, this. is quite well. It's it's not it's not funny, but it is funny. So they were <laughs> taught to shoot in the method of a Dutch drive by. Right. So their mum would cycle a bike, right. and Freddie was on the back, and she was just shooting people. It was <laughs> like a drive by on a, a, yeah. on, a, on, a on a bike, which I thought I find quite funny.
1: I just the image of that is like something out of a cartoon. I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but they were they were pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Some of their targets were Dutch collaborators of, like, the Nazis who would give information about Jewish refugees and the people that were hiding them. So, like, the Dutch families that are opposed to the Nazi regime. So they would go and they often just, like, followed people mm-hmm. um, either to their homes or, like, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they would just pick them off, they would shoot them. They were also tasked with handling some Nazi officers, so SS officers. So, for example, one night... They found one of their targets in a restaurant and he was a pretty high-ranking SS officer. And Freddy kept watch while Truce seduced him and invited mm-hmm. him to go for a walk in the forest where he was shot by the resistance. They used to, they used to carry pistols in their bike helmets. <laughs> I just, yeah. It was hard for them to reconcile the kind of idea of killing people because on the one hand, these were evil and these were the enemy. But on the other hand, you know killing wasn't in their nature freddie in a an interview like long after the war she said she remembered shooting someone one time and they, as they fell down her natural instinct was to go and help them mm. even though she like or she just, she shot, just him shot him dead him,
1: yeah. um i think that's the thing like you you don't want to it's like with Anne bonnie last week you don't want to condone the violence of I know. what to do but at the same time these are nazis yeah it's- um I think it's very. This is one of the only times it's probably quite justifiable. To be fair,
0: well, it was a grim necessity, really. So they just mm-hmm. had to get on with it. However, they did kill kind of out of their own volition as well. So one time, Truce, the old sister, she was cycling through the streets and she'd seen a soldier. He'd had a. He got a baby and he was just like killing it by smacking its head off a wall while the dad and the sister were watching, which is brutal. And she was so, like, incensed and disgusted by it that she just got off her bike and shot him dead in the street. (sighs) And she was like, I'm not having that. Yeah. After a while, as well as all the killings, they, like, would help Jewish children escape, so they'd smuggle them through the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, obviously, succeeded, which really quite affected them if, like... So there was, like, allied bombers going overhead. And, obviously, the woods and, like all the the kind of countryside was full of soldiers and stuff. So, you know, occasionally the the little Jewish children were shot or, you know, they'd be killed by a bomb. So that really affected them as well, all the little kids that didn't make it. In between all these assignments when they were killing people, they also worked in the emergency hospital in Enschede I think that's how you pronounce it.
1: Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't know how to pronounce it better. No, yeah.
0: Enschede and blew up one of the railway lines outside of Harlem. In nineteen forty three they also joined with a girl called Hannischaft. Um so she was the girl from the, the National hani Shaft Foundation that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um she was really notorious to the ISS soldiers. She was a law student at, I think, the University of Harlem and she dropped out because she didn't want to like she refused to swear allegiance to the Nazi regime. And so she became Like a key resistance fighter, but she was like notorious. She was known as the one with the red hair because she had like bright, vibrant red hair. Um, so she she dyed it black a lot. Okay. And with you know Freddie and Truce, although uh, Hanny was a bit older than the girls, they worked together as a really good team. They became became really really close friends. Uh, Truce and Hanny would go out and like seduce the the soldiers, or you know they'd do a lot of the kind of heavy lifting, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Whereas Freddie would be the one, because she still looked very young, so she often wore her hair in plaits to kind of disguise the fact that she wasn't as young as she was. So she would kind of plan it, and she'd often be like a distraction
1: mm-hmm. with
0: the guards, because obviously she was just a young girl. So the three girls would tail the SS, of, the SS officers, sometimes back to their homes where they would kill them. There was one time, though, in 1945... When Hanny didn't come back from a mission, it turned out she'd been captured at a checkpoint. And even though she dyed her hair black so they wouldn't know her, mm-hmm. they still recognized her because um, she had her red roots showing. Um, and the soldiers took her out and um, executed her. However, oh. she wasn't killed straight away. She like so the shot, the first shot only injured her. Mm. And she joked um, with the executioner, said, "I would be a better shot." <laughs> <laughs>
1: There we go. Yeah, that's a good line. That is a good line. That's I like that. <laughs> I love that.
0: But it's quite sad because she was killed only 18 days before the end of the war. Oh. I know. Yeah. Um. So that hit that hit both Freddie and Truce very hard. You know, for Freddie, she was like her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um. And obviously, Truce was very very close with them too so there's not a huge amount of what they did after the war obviously like they'd gone through a lot and they had to kind of deal with all their trauma like they they'd shot people Mm -hmm. and it was like completely not in their nature so they each kind of had to deal with it in different ways so for truce that meant she made a lot of art and kind of dealt with it that way she was very outspoken about what they'd done right she was quite happy to you know tell people and like not brag about it, that neither of them ever told anyone how many uh, people they'd killed. Right, they sort of knew, but
1: they just didn't. Yeah, because yeah. they said,
0: they kind of classed themselves as soldiers, mm-hmm. and they said, soldiers, you know, don't tell. You yeah. can't tell how, how many people you've killed. They didn't want to tell anyone. But for Freddie, she just wanted to have a have a family. Mm-hmm. So she got married, had some children, but she, she had, like, insomnia, so it probably realistically, they probably had, like, PTSD Mm -hmm. or some form of that. Because it it really... They struggled with that for a long time. Even more so through the the Cold War. So because they were daughters of a communist, arguably maybe communists as well themselves, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, like, distrust of them. They didn't get the recognition that they should have done for many, many years. So, like, Hanny didn't get recognition as well, even though she died, like, unfortunately, at the hands of the Nazis. So... Freddie and Truce, they weren't commended for their service to the war effort mm-hmm. until 2014, which was only like two years before Truce died. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get their commendation, but it's very, very late.
1: Yeah, way later. Yeah.
0: So they both they both died aged 92, so within two years of each other. Still in Harlem. They lived there, I think, their whole lives. Um but I just think that's that's really amazing someone um someone else had said like in interviews, you know there were many women who worked for like the resistance and things like that like all across Europe, mm-hmm. but like not many of them were as like hands on as like they didn't do the killing, they do the yeah. planning or you know the code breaking mm-hmm. you know whatever, but not many of them actually did the killing yeah so they I just think they were really amazing to kind of give up your safety, give up all form of education, like, to give up any form of a normal life mm-hmm. for the kind of benefit of other people, to help, you know, the Jewish kids that were escaping, to fight against the injustice, you know, as they saw it, it's it's pretty impressive and quite... I don't want to say badass, because <laughs> I don't like the word badass, but it is, it is... It's really cool, you know, they... Used every kind of skill that they well, had.
1: They got stuck in there. They
0: really did and get I stuck guess in. As
1: well, in that time, like if you're a woman, what else can you do? You're gonna use your sexuality to try and well, yeah, exactly seduce them. Oh, let's go for a walk and then <laughs> kill them. Yeah, it's just pretty genius, really, to use because they're never gonna see you as a threat ever. Yeah. So I think that's pretty, that's pretty yeah, uh, badass as you said.
0: Yeah. So that's why they're my tenth muses because mm. they were just you know they got really stuck in. They made a genuine like proper effort to the mm-hmm. to you know fighting against the nazis in in holland not that you know it doesn't devalue what other women who weren't killing people were doing but you know they went out there and they were like well we can do this mm-hmm. so we're going to
1: yeah
0: and they you know they were like right in right in the face of danger bombing railways um helping jewish people escape it's like you could not be in any more danger. And the fact that they survived that as well.
1: Yeah, and lived to the ripe old age of 92. Yeah, 92. 92.
0: It was amazing. So that's why they're my uh, my 10th muses. Freddie and Truce over Stegan.
1: There you go. Well done. Thank you. I definitely was going to do... I Were yeah. I don't <laughs> think them. I think maybe the third... Maybe Honey. Yeah, the third girl. Yeah. I thought
0: about switching it to Honey.
1: I think that's what I was going to do. But I think it was just... I, it was one of them, it's like, where do you even start? And then I... There's not yeah. a huge
0: lot on them.
1: No, There's I like think that's kind of It's all kind
0: of vague reports yeah. of like what they've done. So it's like, oh, they did this, they did that, yeah. they did this. Because it's
1: all in the secret as well. They're trying to do it so subtly and, and it's like espionage for them. Yeah. I think that's what's funny about doing this show. It's like the research side of things. Like even with Henrietta Lacks, I know the, the sort of vague history of you, but you want to give her her Jew and tell more about her story. But all I know is kind of the horrible parts, the really hardships she dealt with. And mm. cause that's all confirmed. It's like the life and death parts. Yeah. Um. Same with last week. I think it's harder to sort of know anything when it's all sort of mythical. And she might've done this, she might've been there. And yeah. but I think that's what the whole point of this podcast is, is to try and take these women and give them a bit more history and maybe more people yeah. look into them more. And I agree. There was a book about them, about
0: Freddie, Truce, and Honey as well. I'll try and find out what that was called, and then we can maybe put it in. We'll put it in the description, yes. so you can find out if you want to read.
1: Yeah, because we'll that will have
0: a lot more than um, information. We'll put that,
1: and we'll put the uh, the documentary I was talking about at the end of mine. Yeah, and we'll put it on our social medias.
0: Yeah, where you can like, follow, and subscribe us. <laughs> like, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Hope you liked it. Let us know what you think. You can review online at Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. at so Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on Anchor. Um, we're on loads I'm of on places. Google Podca- like on loads, Google yeah. Podcasts.
1: Find us and, um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, so they're both Tenth Muse Podcasts, and you can email us as well at tenthmusepodcast at gmail Give us your suggestions if you've got any women. We'd love to hear what you come up with. Yeah, anyone. It could be someone we might have heard of, it can be someone that we've never heard of. Just send them in, and we'll, we'll have a look through them all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>